Welcome everybody. Good night. Good evening. I'm glad to see all of you here. Um, so so blessed to uh, have Elder Bob Woods share with us. Um, Bob and I got to know each other when we were paired up to be prayer partners to the Alachua County Christian Pastors Association, and uh, we really got to know each other in Margaret uh, at Las Margaritas one <laughs> day for lunch when we began to share a little bit about our life stories and, and ministry and, uh, and some other time, I'd love to have Bob maybe share more of his testimony, although he may have, he may work some of it into, into his presentation tonight, but um, God has done a real work of redemption in his life. So really thankful for him. And so um, just re God really put on my heart to, to, to ask Bob about his willingness to share with us uh, as we, as we're here and, uh, Black History Month, and we're trying to uh, really press in and learn uh, how we're to, to be a part of the, the work of, of racial reconciliation, uh, not only around the world, but in our own county. So um, I think, oh, good. Okay, so Bob, if you'll keep an eye, Bob Ayers, if you'll keep an eye on uh, the waiting room, I, I really appreciate that. So let me give you just a brief intro for uh, a little bit of a bio for, for Bob, things he won't tell you about himself, but I want you to know uh, before I turn it over to him after we pray. So Bob uh, is served as the, he served as the communications manager in the city of Gainesville for 20 years and retired in 2018. He has a bachelor's degree from uh, Columbia College in journalism and a master's degree in journalism and mass communications from the University of Missouri in um, Columbia. And he's also done some doctoral work in that same area of mass communications. Um, Bob was ordained a minister at his denomination in 2014, uh, even while he was still working full-time as a city manager. Um, in his retirement, he has taken on the role of head elder at his congregation, which is Compassionate Outreach Ministries over on the east side of town. And for those who need an orientation to that, that's very close to uh, uh, Greater Bethel AME Church, which some of us have visited, so on that same road uh, on, the, on the east side of town. Um, Bob hosts an internet radio show on Sunday mornings called Sunday School Before Sunday School, which I'm, a, I'm thinking that some folks, uh, Bob, are going to want to get that, um, know how to get a hold of, of that on the internet and listen in. So we'll have to share that. Uh, he's been married to his lovely wife, Karen, and together they coordinate marriage ministry, Sunday school teachers, Sunday school teachers, Bible seminary coordinators, special events coordinators. He is also an army veteran, so we thank you for your service to our country, Bob, and, um, and is now working on a degree in theology. So this is a man who, who, he may have retired from the city of Gainesville, but he is not retired, and so, so thankful for you, Bob, and for your willingness to share with us tonight. So I'm gonna open us in prayer and then we'll turn it over to you. So, so let's, let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for um, Lord, your servant Bob and for his willingness to uh, step into this role of, of teacher and guide for us, Lord, as we, we examine the topic that you put before him, Lord, that we wanna understand more about the ministry of reconciliation, Lord. We, we give you thanks, Father, for the reconciling work you've done in Bob's life and in our lives, Father. And we pray now that as we, as we share together and as Bob presents to us, Lord, that you might fill him with your Holy Spirit. You might speak to your people, Lord, of those things that you intend for us to hear. Lord, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this sharing and this session and, and just give thanks for Bob. We pray you'd bless he and Karen, that you'd uphold him and that you'd, you'd just protect him, Father, now as he shares with us. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, Amen. Bob. Well, thank you, Pastor Alex. And, and thank each and every one of you for uh, time out of your busy schedules to, uh, uh, to join in this discussion tonight. Uh, I, I'm just uh, feeling very, very blessed right now. Uh, Pastor Alex has quickly become one of my uh, role models and mentors. And um, I may be senior to him in age, 
but his wisdom really far exceeds his. And so uh, I'm just very grateful to, um, uh, to have uh, uh, be able to name him as a friend and a brother in Christ. That's just a, a high honor for me. Um, and, and, and as I thought about what uh, Pastor Alex asked me uh, to share tonight, uh, almost instantaneously, uh, it was as if the Lord dropped into my spirit, tell them about uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Now, uh, uh, each of you already know what that is. And so really, uh, my job tonight, uh, as I see it, is, is just to uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, remind uh, all of us. And as I was telling uh, Pastor before we began, uh, if it sounds as though I'm speaking to myself, it's because uh, it, it, I very much am. <laughs> as I was preparing for uh, tonight's presentation, uh, I realized uh, uh, just how much work I have to do. And so uh, I, I hope uh, uh, that, that this discussion tonight uh, will be one where everyone feels at ease because everything I'm about to, sa uh, to say uh, applies to me um, uh, first and foremost this from, from my perspective. And so uh, with that, uh, my plan is a simple one. I'm, I'm going to just uh, uh, briefly contextually look at the conditions that, that led to uh, uh, the Apostle Paul writing uh, to the church at Corinth in his second epistle to them. Um, and we'll take a look at some of, uh, of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, writing, uh, uh, particularly from his letter from a Birmingham jail, and uh, Dr. King's philosophy that draws heavily uh, on the Pauline perspective of a ministry of reconciliation. And then uh, I thought if we have time, we take a quick look at uh, a, a look back at um, a similar strategy employed by uh, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu uh, in South Africa as he uh, uh, headed the Truth and, and um, uh, uh, Reconciliation Commission uh, as that nation went from apartheid, uh, apartheid to uh, uh, to a, uh, a, a, a democratic, a truly democratic government. Um, and so, hopefully, we'll be able to draw a few lessons. And, uh, and find something that may be applicable today uh, for us in our county, uh, where we still continue to grapple with many of the issues uh, that those, those men grappled with. So uh, my purpose is just to, to find some common ground uh, uh, on, upon which we can gain some godly knowledge, understanding, and wisdom in pursuit of racial equity uh, through the Christian perspective of, of reconciliation. Uh, and of course, our foundational text uh, for that is 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, uh, verses 11 through uh, 2021. 20, um, in 2 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to the church at Corinth at a time when uh, the church there was in severe uh, disunity. Um, uh, this unity uh, uh, had crept into the church because of false doctrine um, and a number of other issues that they were having, uh, and it threatened to, to literally tear the church apart. Um, and so uh, there was much work to do. Paul wrote the first letter of Corinthians uh, to correct some of those um, heretical notions that had crept into the church. But by the time he writes this second letter, many within the Corinthian church uh, had repented of their sinful ways and, and were now working to regain unity and, and the trust uh, that they once had with one another under Paul's authority. Uh, still, the apostle felt that it was necessary to uh, defend his apostolic authority and his message uh, is clear. Um, uh, and his message was really a simple one. Um, uh, it really is that living in unity requires us to humbly forgive one another uh, and follow our, uh, 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 our uh, uh, leaders. Um, Paul reminds us that even as Christians, we have the capacity to hurt one another. Um, and that when we do, we need to forgive one another. Um, this is uh, really a core teaching uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, and, and we have to be able to 
uh, to understand that it's incumbent upon us uh, to forgive even those who wrong us. And if we fail uh, to do this, then we risk discouraging our fellow believers in the faith. Uh, Paul also encouraged the Corinthians, and by extension, uh, he's encouraging us today, amen, uh, uh, to forgive those uh, who uh, fall away and then uh, repent. And at the same time, uh, he was uh, encouraging us uh, to forgive those who, who uh, had fallen away and now uh, uh, were repenting. Uh, he, he also defended his own uh, apostolic authority against uh, a position that he was facing in Corinth. He did so because he was committed to living out his faith uh, in the midst of God's people. And so as I thought about that, it led me uh, to a simple question. In what ways do we struggle to forgive others? And in what ways do we uh, struggle to follow godly wisdom of our leaders? It, and I, I got to wondering, is it, is it our own unvoiced frustrations and anger at the choices that we've made? Or, or maybe it's uh, because we're upset and anxious at the choices that others have made. Is it, is it uh, an overinflated sense of our own self-righteousness or importance? Or maybe it's, um, it, it's simply the circumstances that that seemingly threaten our everyday comfortable lives. Or, or, or perhaps it's that favorite trick of the adversary, uh, which, is, which of course is uh, creating fear of the unknown. E either way, Paul reminds us of uh, Jesus's ministry of reconciliation, which, which compels us to seek to reconcile relationships in which disunity reigns even as we strive to live peace, peaceably with all people in humility. So, so with that, I thought we could turn to um, the, the Apostle Paul's defense of the ministry of reconciliation as found uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through, through 21. And um, uh, if you don't mind, I, I thought that we could, uh, uh, I, I could just read it into your hearing. Uh, and uh, hear now the word of the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Uh, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, oh my God, I, I love this scripture. I'm sorry. I, I just have to read it again because um, verse 16 tells us from so, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer, uh, we, we, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him 
who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his holy word. You know, uh, this, this scripture uh, informs the very great uh, 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 continuing struggle for the soul of our nation. Uh, we've heard a lot about that uh, 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 over the past months. Uh, but in my mind's eye, I see and I imagine that this scripture doesn't ring out only for us today, but, but it rang out uh, through the eons of time. It, it rang out in the ears of repentant slave traders uh, people like uh, John Newton, uh, who is the author of the, of the gospel hymn, Amazing Grace. Uh, and during the early 1800s, uh, he uh, 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 brought slaves from Africa to uh, uh, the United Kingdom of Great Britain. Uh, but God got a hold of him and, and changed him such that uh, uh, he is quoted as saying, I am not the man I ought to be. I'm, I'm not the man I wish to be. And I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am uh, not the man I used to be. Uh, I, I imagine that this same scripture that we just read, uh, uh, I hear it reverberating in the hearing of, of slave abolitionists such as Frederick Douglass and, and, and John Brown. Uh, uh, these individuals uh, uh, knew God's word. Uh, they were very familiar, I would imagine, with this particular passage. Uh, and, and I'm sure it weighed uh, on their spirits prior to and during that defining moment, that historical moment of this nation's civil war between the states, uh, which raged from Fort Sumner, South Carolina, uh, beginning in 1861 through uh, Appomattox in, in Virginia in 1865. Down, down through the uh, epoch of time ever echoing in the spirit-filled hearts of men and women of God of all colors who carried the word of God into the civil rights movement of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. The music, this, this music of, of, of the common song of faith and the struggle for God-given human rights and dignity played even in the bosom of Mother Africa as the battle against apartheid raged in South Africa. Mm. And yes, I think we can, we can all uh, agree uh, that even now in the United States, after four years of one of the most divisive presidencies in our nation's modern day history, this same scripture holds as much rev relevance today as ever before. Certainly we in Alachua County are not exempt from the very same divisions that afflict the rest of our nation. However, many of us believe as I do that we who live, work, worship and play here can be a beacon of hope and leadership for our fellow Floridians and our nation. I believe that we can chart a new but familiar path of reconciliation between brothers and sisters in Christ by the following example set by our Lord. I refer to charting a new but familiar path of reconciliation because Holy Scripture is replete with examples of reconciliation, uh, such as Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, which once and for all reconciled humanity back to God. But here I have in mind the story of reconciliation between Jacob and Esau that's found in the 33rd chapter of Genesis. After years of enmity between the brothers, Jacob seeks to return home. He's now a changed man, once a, a, a trickster, a usurper and a deceiver as his name uh, suggests, Jacob has learned to no longer depend on his own strength, but to pray, trust and depend on God. And now after 20 years of sojourning in the land of Haran and after encounter, after encounter with God's heavenly host, on the night before meeting his estranged brother Jacob arrives at another appointment. This time with his divine destiny. Alone at the Ford Jabbok, he wrestles with God to obtain God's blessing. And he will not go, he will not let go 
until he receives it. You know, uh, I looked up the word, uh, the name Jabak in the Hebrew and uh, came away understanding that in the Hebrew, that word means to empty oneself, to pour oneself out. Uh, and so I imagine that this wrestling was not necessarily a physical wrestling with God, but, but an emotional, spiritual wrestling. Uh, God gives to Jacob the blessing of a new identity and purpose because Jacob wanted and desired to be honest with God and to uh, let God see him naked, see everything in him that was standing between him and God's blessing. Hmm. They wrestle all night long. Uh, this indicates a long, intense uh, self-examination where God looks into the heart of Jacob and sees all that there is to him. But more importantly, allows Jacob to see what lies within himself. And as a result of that struggle, he comes away with a new identity and a new purpose. The scripture in Genesis 32 and 28 tells us the following. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful scripture. And it is in the struggle, the struggle to be honest with God that Jacob receives his breakthrough. He receives his new identity and his new purpose. I think that this is fundamental and key to the whole experience of forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, also understood this very well. I believe that uh, Dr. King experienced a similar experience, his own uh, Ford of Jabak, if you will, while he was in a Birmingham jail. In April of 63, Dr. King was, was jailed uh, in that city for leading a civil rights protest there. Now, uh, while in jail, eight local religious leaders publicly rebuked Dr. King for getting involved and accusing him of behavior that is unacceptable for a clergyman of his stature. Dr. King wrote his now famous and eloquent letter from Birmingham jail in defense of his actions and in defense of nonviolent direct action against segregation and racial injustice. I believe that this letter written nearly 60 years ago today is still very much instructive for all of us in this present time. And I hope you'll indulge me as I attempt a dramatic reading of an excerpt from Dr. King's pen. Oppressed people cannot remain oppressed forever. The yearning for freedom eventually manifests itself. And that is what has happened to the American Negro. Something within has reminded him of his birthright of freedom. And something without has reminded him that it can be gained. Consciously or unconsciously, he has been caught up by the zeitgeist and with his black brothers of Africa and his brown and yellow brothers of Asia, South America and the Caribbean, the United States Negro is moving with a sense of great urgency toward the promised land of racial justice. If no one recognizes this vital urge that has engulfed the Negro community, one should readily understand 
why public demonstrations are taking place. The Negro has many pent up resentments and latent frustrations and he must release them. So let him march. Let him make prayer pilgrimages to the city hall. Let him go on freedom rides and try to understand why it must, why he must do so. It is his repressed emotions that are not released in nonviolent ways. They will seek expression through violence. This is not a threat, but a fact of history. So I have not said to my people, get rid of your discontent. Rather, I have tried to say that this is normal and healthy discontent, and it can be channeled into the creative outlet of nonviolent direct action. And now this approach is being termed extremist. But though I was initially disappointed as being categorized as an extremist, <laughs> as I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the label. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise, so help me God. And John Bunyan, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a butchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, this nation cannot survive half slave and half free. And Thomas Jefferson, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? In that dramatic scene on Calvary's Hill, three men were crucified. We must never forget that all three were crucified for the same crime, the crime of extremism. Two were extremists for immorality and thus fell below their environment. The other, Jesus Christ, was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness and thereby rose above his environment, perhaps the South, the nation, and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. Hmm. In his poignant defense of his tactics and strategy to defeat racial injustice, we see echoes. <sighs> of the same self-emptying experience that Jacob encountered at the Ford Jabbok. Jacob privately emptied himself of all that stood between him and right relationship with God and the God that searches the hearts of men. In this juxtaposition, Dr. King empties himself regarding the righteousness of his core beliefs about the struggle against injustice, and he does so publicly and urges his fellow bond servants in Christ to join with him in the sight of God as extremists in the cause of love, truth, and goodness. And if we look and turn our uh, attention uh, uh, to another uh, great man in the struggle, uh, we, we can see that Archbishop Desmond Tutu had his own Ford of Jabak 
in the form of his Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, in South Africa. Sir uh, uh, Desmond Tutu uh, uh, is a South African Anglican uh, cleric and theologian. He uh, is the recipient of the 1984 Nobel Peace Prize and is widely known for his work as an anti-apartheid uh, and human rights activist. He served as the bishop of Johannesburg from 18, uh, from 1985 rather, uh, to 1986. And then as the Archbishop of Cape Town from 1986 to 1996. And in both cases, uh, he was the first black African to hold uh, the most senior position in Southern Africa's Anglican hierarchy. He emerged as one of the most prominent opponents of South Africa's apartheid system of racial segregation and white minority rule. And after President F.W. de Klerk released the anti-apartheid activist Nance Nelson Mandela from prison in 1990, the pair uh, 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 led negotiations to end apartheid and introduce a multiracial democracy. And, and, and Archbishop Tutu assisted as a mediator between uh, uh, rival black factions. Yes, there was uh, uh, differences even among uh, the black people, the various tribes uh, that uh, were going to find a way to coexist in South Africa. The, the social atmosphere in South Africa became a particularly heated after Nelson Mandela was elected president in 1994. And so he asked uh, Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu to chair the Truth and Re Reconciliation Commission in 1996. Mandela appointed Tutu to lead the commission and in, uh, uh, in the Archbishop's book entitled No Future Without Forgiveness, Tutu explains his determination to make the Truth and Reconciliation Commission a model of mercy. Tutu looks at groups who wanted to forget the past, such as the white Afrikaners. For Black Afri Af Africans, it also wasn't very uh, uh, easy or so simple to forget generations and generations of oppression. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission had to hold accountable hmm, the organizers of apartheid, but they also didn't want to punish them too severely and thus perpetuate the cycle of violence. So the Truth and Reconciliation Commission aimed to restore both victim and perpetrator to peace with themselves and with their community. Bishop Tutu asked that both parties uh, testify about their experience of apartheid. His belief was that through mutual listening, both parties could understand and forgive the other. This dialogue often, uh, though not always, but often led to true remorse and forgiveness when both parties viewed their conflict through the lens of Christian doctrine. They were encouraged to think of other people as having been created equal to them. So the commission released a report meant to expose past crimes in South Africa while offering a plan to move past them. Despite the criticism that the commission received, Archbishop Tutu maintains that this concept of restorative justice was the only way to end long-term violence in the country. Restorative justice calls for the perpetrators of crimes to be reintegrated into society and eventually welcomed. The, the commission was heavily criticized for not doling out justice. But Archbishop Tutu countered that these claims uh, uh, these claims were false because someone must enter the cycle, must end the cycle of violence, and that true justice can only come from God. And so the commission uh, was never meant to be the only institution that led to peace in South Africa. Rather, it was just one of hundreds of initiatives led by the government and other private groups. And he concluded that if society can ever hope to heal themselves from grave injustice, they must practice restorative justice rather than justice as punishment. And so 
The question is, have we, the residents of Alachua County, arrived at a moment in which we can experience our own divine appointment at our own Ford of Jabak? Is this the moment? Is this the moment? Has the time come for us to empty ourselves of all that stands between us and our God as we struggle to overcome the legacy of generations of racial injustice in our very own communities? Have we enough maturity as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to begin to live out the ministry of reconciliation as it relates to racial injustice and inequity? Now, I, I believe that uh, we have yet to learn whether now is the time or whether this is the place or if we are the people that God wants us to be. I also believe that we can be and that our Lord wants us to be exactly that kind of people. Nevertheless, I know, as I'm sure you do that true reconciliation must begin with the most truthful act you or I will ever commit. That is to simply stand naked before our God, to confess our own sinful unrighteousness, ask for forgiveness, and accept the salvation of the Lord, which reconciles our hearts first to God, and then to each other. Thank you. Bob, thank you so much. What a, what a rich presentation. So is everybody hearing me good? Okay, good, good. Yes. Um, Elder Bob, thank you. Thank you so much for, for what you've shared here at um, this multiple sharing you, you talked about it, that took place in South Africa and, um, and that that's necessary in order to come to a place of reconciliation. I, 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 I appreciate you for, for sharing, you know, this, this information to us and the story and just reminding us of the history of injustices. And so it, this is, this is, you even as you were saying, my, my spirit was quickening in me to say, this very presentation is, is, is an example of how uh, we can move forward. So I, I really appreciate you. What we, what we want to do now is, is, is really ask you know, everyone to, you can unmute now. And um, as, as people want to raise their hand, I'd love to, to call on folks, but I'd love to have people share sort of a, a reflection on what, what what Elder Bob has shared with us, and um, or or follow up with a question you might have for for him and 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 what he's been presenting to us. So, um, looks like Janice has her hand up. So I'm going to call on Janice Ladd okay. first. First of all, thank you so much. That was so inspiring. Yeah, um, you mentioned early on about uh, forgiving those who repent. Uh, do you just assume true repentance when someone says they want to repent? Or how do you determine somebody is really repentant? I, I'm not sure that we can ever uh, know. Uh, we don't have the capacity to read the hearts of man. And that is where repentance, true repentance occurs. And so I don't know that we can know for certain whether someone has a truly repented. But I'm not sure that that's really uh, uh, the issue uh, of, of the utmost importance. Um, I, I think uh, that what is truly important is that uh, we engage in the process of self-examination. And even if that self-examination doesn't go all the way, it's important to at least begin that process. Okay, thank you. Good question, Janice. Thank you. Uh, who who would like to ask the next question or or make another another comment? Uh, Bill, I see I see Bill's hand. So I, I just have a comment. I want to say hi to Bob, particularly because I've known him since he was a PIO 
PIO officer, you know, public information officer at the city of Gainesville's fire department. And yes. I was a training <laughs> captain for a while there. So yes, Bill, you know, how are you? Good to hear your voice. <laughs> Terrific to see you here in this setting doing this. Awesome message, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. Another question, and, and if you if you're on your phone or if you're uh, if you don't have your screen on, just you need to speak up. I see Kathy's hand. I think right, Kathy Ayers. Yes. Um, thank you so much. It was um, inspiring, and and I think you did a wonderful readings of all the things that you read. It was it was inspirational. What as you are a communications person and a minister in the community. What do you see happening in our community that is encouraging and, 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 and giving you heart and hope? And what are some things that we need to do better? And how can we, how, what can we do to help? Well, I, you know, I, I see many encouraging signs in our community. Um, I, I, I see a real sense of caring for one another here in Alachua County. Uh, and again, you know, I'm generalizing. I mean, uh, every, every place we visit uh, has their share of bad apples. But uh, on the whole, uh, Alachua County uh, is a county that, uh, uh, for the most part, is um, really trying to overcome uh, uh, much of the baggage of its past uh, in real productive ways. Um, the problem is that progress is often never uh, a, a straight line. Uh, we make we make strides, we move forward, and then uh, you know we take our foot off the gas, and and the next thing you know, we're we're taking two steps, three steps backwards, and so uh, it's easy to to get discouraged, uh, but we shouldn't. Uh, particularly, particularly as children of the Most High God, you know, I, I just believe. Uh, uh, that we have victory, and uh, and and we have uh, the ability to change uh, uh, the 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 circumstances that we are confronted with, and what it takes is it takes faith and belief that our God God is able to do exactly what He said that He would do, but how does He do it? He does it through individuals such as you and I. Uh, it, it, it's not going to happen if we don't do it. We are his ears and, and mouth and his eyes. We are his hands and his feet. Uh, we have to get involved uh, if things are truly going to continue to change for the better. And uh, that it can be as simple as, as, as just looking out uh, for your neighbor uh, uh, your elderly neighbors that need uh, to uh, somebody to check in on them every now and then. Uh, it could be as simple as having lunch with someone whom you normally wouldn't have lunch with. Um, you know, you have heard as often as I have that one of the most segregated times in our country is a Sunday morning. You know, we, we go to our own churches and we worship the same God, but we worship him separately. And, uh, and so uh, there are things that we can do uh, as individuals. There are things that we can do collectively as the body of Christ. And uh, I, I dare not say what those things are because it limits uh, your imagination. Uh, but I would uh, uh, challenge each of you uh, to think about ways in which you can change your part of God's world for the better and, and be, be, be the light, uh, uh, be the uh, be his mouth, uh, be his feet, be his, be his hands. Amen. Thank you. Um, yeah. I wanted to finish that, that question off with the other thought, um, um, uh, because I think you also asked uh, 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 about, um, uh, uh, you know, what things I, I thought were that were good that were happening in the, in the, in the county. And one of those things uh, I, I would just tell you quickly is that uh, I think it's important for us um, uh, uh, to get involved politically. I, I, I'm not suggesting that, um, uh, that you vote uh, for a particular party, 
but I do think that it's important for you to make your voices heard in local government, because that is the institution that determines our everyday experience in this county. And so, um, you know, things, uh, whatever it may be that you have a concern about, make your voice known. Don't let uh, uh, just uh, the secularists have free reign of our government. I, I think it's important for us as saints of God uh, uh, to make our voices heard as well. Thank you, Bob. I see Jeannie's hand and then I see Joan's hand. So first of all, Jeannie, and then we'll go to Joan. Okay. So I just, I'm, you know, over the last couple of years, I followed Brene Brown. And then with the Black Lives Matter, came out, I have to deal with a lot of people that are racist. And it's difficult for me to be like, to call them out and just say, that is racist. I mean, my job is to help homeless people get apartments. And I see landlords who either are black and will not rent to white people. And I see Hispanic people who prefer not to rent to black people. Like I see racism so blatant and I don't know, I would like to think some of it is implicit bias and they don't really realize they're racist. Like if you ask them, they would say they're not racist. So I'm getting the courage. I finally had the courage just last week to tell this person, when you act like that and you say things like that, that is racist and that is wrong. And I just want to know how you feel about that. Do you think it's helpful to tell people that what they just did or said is racist? Or do you think there's another way to handle that? You know, I, I, I firmly believe that you have to call it out when you see it. Uh, the question is, how do you do that? Uh, and, and, and you have to be sensitive uh, to the environment that you're in. And you have to be sensitive uh, to the person that you're speaking to. And everything that we do uh, has to be done in love. Uh, if you can't uh, figure out how to do it in love, uh, then it's probably better to leave it until you can figure out how to do that in love. Um, I'm a firm believer that love conquers all. Uh, and, and it's the most powerful weapon that we as believers have. And so everything we do should be informed uh, first by our love of others. And um, in the process, that's how we win and gain our brothers. Uh, it, it's in that spirit of love. And so, um, you know, it, it, I, listen, I've, I've encountered that uh, firsthand. And so I, I know very well uh, what you speak of, even here uh, in Alachua County. Uh, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good uh, uh, as the recipient of racism, uh, but it doesn't feel good when you observe it. Um, and, but I, 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 I maintain that it also does not feel good to the person who is acting in a racist, racist fashion and that there's a way to reach them in a spirit of love. Uh, and we just need to find that, that, that way to do that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. That's Great, Joan. I'll, let me let me turn. Let you ask your question now. Well, it's 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 kind of a uh, <laughs> kind of turn right there in 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 three ways right there. Um, the lady before and and um, the lady just now and the speaker. Um, um, uh, the, the racism uh, as 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 a whole. Um, um, so um, I'm I'm. I'm not American, okay, and and the lady sp spoke about Black Lives Matters, okay, um, and I don't want to go too much in detail about that because it really doesn't make sense to me the Black Black Life Matters thing because all life matters, okay, and mm -hmm. um, the thing about it is that you know the 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 being being like voting like getting about uh, about uh, you know. The, get, getting the government involved with like uh, voting and stuff like that, yeah, that 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 could help. But I think until we um sit down and speak with each other, I think kind of that's where it starts the the you know the the racial thing. Until people sit down and start getting to know each other, I think that's gonna kind of curb 
racism because the government can't do it. You know, they can't do it by themselves. You know, it starts in the home. I've been racism to me. It came to me, you know, by my own color. Let's put it that way at first. And, and, and I didn't understand it. And, and it came to me because I'm from the islands. Okay. I mean, American black people was racist towards me, you know, and I'm their color. So I've had it from black people and I've had it from white people. So, but it was mostly from blacks to me. So it, it's all a confusion right there. You know, it's, and, but what I was trying to say when I first raised my hand is that, you know, it starts in the home. I think everything starts in the home, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all, uh, Janine. Uh, uh, I, I, I believe that it starts in the home uh, and, and I believe uh, 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 that uh, uh, that it starts in your heart. Uh, exactly. I believe it's really a heart issue. And, and I understand uh, the racism that you experienced um, uh, from uh, from the black community, uh, uh, my my wife uh, has ex had a similar experience as well. And uh, racism in any form, any form, uh, mm -hmm. is is ungodly in my opinion. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and so it doesn't matter. You know, it's interesting. That's why I talked about Bishop uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu, because mm -hmm. um, uh, the same thing uh, occurred in South Africa. We had. Uh, tribes, warring tribes, and mm. I, I read the names, but I couldn't, I couldn't give them to you now. <laughs> I understand. But there were warring tribes uh, mm. that were represented by two distinct political parties. The ANC represented one, and then there was another party. I can't remember that. But, but the part, the point is that they were contesting one another and uh, were allowing the, uh, the the apartheid government to use mm. them to foment foment a conflict between themselves as a way of, of keeping them uh, 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 repressed. And so, uh, and so that happens here as well. Uh, when mm -hmm. we argue amongst ourselves as people of color, uh, mm -hmm. uh, nobody wins, nobody wins. Not mm -hmm. even, not even uh, uh, the uh, dominant culture. No one right. wins when that happens. Right. And, mm -hmm. no, and no one uh, is a winner uh, from, from racism. And so it's important. Right. for us to have that dialogue you're talking about. Right, right. It is, thank, yeah. you. thank you, Joan. Thank you so much for, for obviously sharing a perspective that, that mm -hmm. most of the people on this call cannot, cannot identify with. So we appreciate mm -hmm. you voicing you know, that from, yeah. from your perspective mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah. But we've got just another couple of minutes to share a couple more thoughts. And, uh, and, and then we want to um, kind of, we want to end, although this is just so rich. So Bob, thank you so much. But if there's a couple more questions, Janice, you, you asked one, so I, oh, <laughs> I want to... I, I just want to get a comment at the end. Okay, okay. okay. Gotcha. We'll, 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 we'll you know me, that. Alex. You know he me. He's a senior leader at the church, so I have to, I have to acknowledge that. So, But is there, is there anyone else that, that would like to add a question uh, for Bob or, or a comment? So... Just, just the, just the conversation we're having. Yeah, yeah. Is a healing piece of this right. important step. So, mm -hmm. and that's why we're doing this, and we're gonna, we're gonna keep having conversations because. Right. Did I see somebody's hand or a, or a voice? Oh, here, Ken. Yeah. Ken like no, no question, a comment. I was gonna do something totally different tonight on the other end of the room, and I started trying to do it, and. Father Bob, thank you so much. I was just so interested, so riveted. I just had to listen and come and join you. <laughs> thank you. Thank Bob, you so much. Bob, you don't, you don't know what that means. A miracle has occurred, so. <laughs> God is able. All the time, all the time. Amen, amen, amen. And we've uh, and we just promoted you to to uh, father, which is the way we refer yeah. to, uh, to <laughs> in our denomination. So, ironically, we're actually a part of the same Anglican church that, that Desmond Tutu is a part of. So it's, it's uh, in a way you're also bringing some of our own history back to us. So wow, isn't that absolutely amazing? God is he's he's just absolutely awesome. I I I am constantly <laughs> amazed at how he works. Yeah, it's just Amen. awesome.
Amen. Always another, another question yeah. we could we maybe would or a comment that somebody wants to make. So I guess when you say it went from, yeah. I'm sorry. Hold on one second, Joan. Mary? Yeah. Oh, no, I just I was just I uh, wanted to ask um Pastor Bob, what <laughs> Elder Bob? Elder, um, yes. Elder, okay, got it. Elder Bob, um, uh, are you are you making this presentation that you've given to us? I mean, elsewhere, are you able to, are you going to other churches and, and sharing this? Because I know that my spirit just, you know, it was just incredible. Uh, this is, you just pulled so many things together in a very short period of time tonight. So that's my question is, who else is getting to hear this? Well, hopefully I will be presenting it in the near future to, um, uh, to Compassion Outreach Ministries uh, so that uh, we can have a, a discussion about this as well. Because, you know, we're struggling with the same things in terms of how do we uh, reconcile uh, with our uh, white brothers and sisters uh, here in Alachua County and how do we uh, open our hearts uh, so that we can worship together and mm -hmm. and 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 truly uh, relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we we're coming at it from the opposite direction, but it's the same issue. It's the same mm -hmm. issue. How do we uh, how do we reconcile one to another? And uh, you know, uh, God helped Jacob to find a way. And I thought that it was instructive for us uh, to look back to that uh, uh, to see if we can mind some answers for for us today. No, I was, you know, I was just um, basically confirming um, what he said. We just have to be, you know, like more of a listeners and, and, and seers, you know, for Christ. We all, we just have to be that. And I guess be stronger in it because, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and I, I just echo, I mean, I, I, you know, just to reflect back, Bob, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I've, I've experienced a little bit of the, um, you know, when, when you speak to a, a Black leader, you, you're, there's a sense in which I'm sure their thought is, oh, here, another white man who's going to say some things that, that he's not going to follow up on, right? And, and so I, I just... I, I am amazed at the black community's resilience and and their continued um, willingness to to you know extend reconciliation because mm -hmm. you know um, just just what you read from from Dr. King and uh, and those 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 ministers basically calling him out trying to 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 call him back from from his extremists and so. Yeah. Um, just, it's uh, it's it's just I'm I'm just in, encouraged over and over again when I see the uh, willingness for for black leaders to 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 trust us and to begin to have that conversation and uh, it's just anyway so just I, I had to speak that in so um why, another a, a comment or somebody that would like to to ask one more thing before we we wrap up. Jeannie, are you good to see. Um, Jeannie Bay, are you wanting to ask a question or you, you have your little symbol up or did you just leave that on? Sorry, I, I already yeah. asked a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure if you want to ask something. That... Let, let me then, um, I, I'm going to give Janice the last word because I promised her I would, but I, I, I do want to ask one question of my own, Bob, just to get your reflection on this. Um, as you talk through um, you, you, you talked about the need for um, the, the struggle, and you talked about Jabbok, and the struggle that then leads to, you know, reconciliation. And, and in that, my question is, um, do you think we can still, do you think it's necessary still for us to go back to the past and and to recount the the atrocities and to I mean is is it too late and it, with apartheid obviously they were they were doing the truth and reconciliation and it was you know years before I mean it, it just ended right in our case you know there's we, there's racism today but a lot of the things we're talking about go back 300 years 
can you share just a little bit about sort of why you think the the, the value in it for the black community to hear us as white Christians willing to go there and to have that conversation and to and to do that mutual sharing you talked about that leads to reconciliation. I'm, it's a long question, but yeah, no, I, I think I I think I understand what you're getting at. Uh, let me frame it this way in, in in terms of a current discussion, uh, and there's a current discussion now uh, taking place that has to do with whether or not. Uh, uh, this nation can 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 move forward by reparations. If that's a, a possibility, if that's some way of of sort of uh, uh, making uh, things right because of the economic uh, injustice that is incurred uh, and continues to on, uh, to be ongoing. Uh, how do you do that in an economy that's just come through uh, a, a year of pandemic? How do you even have that discussion? How do you um, uh, uh, have a discussion about what is fear uh, and in terms of making up for hundreds of years of inequality? Um, well, you have to go back and 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 name the thing that you're trying to address. Um, uh, a, a drug addict uh, cannot begin to heal until they recognize what the nature of the problem is. And that's the, uh, the problem with our country today. Uh, we have an original sin uh, and we have not come to terms with it. Uh, we nibble around the margins. We, we talk about it uh, uh, from time to time when there's a crisis, when someone gets shot, when, when just injustice is blatantly in our uh, in our face, uh, we want to uh, have a moment of angst. And then uh, with the news cycle that we have, 24 hours, and we're on to the next thing. And so there's really never any really deep, meaningful, ongoing discussion about how we got here. We're not going to be able to, uh, 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 to figure out uh, how to move forward until we acknowledge how we got here. And that's an uncomfortable conversation. That is the thing about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, uh, that was very difficult uh, because um, uh, victims want to talk about it, but oppressors don't. And victims don't have the capacity to drive the conversation. So until uh, oppressors are willing to come to terms uh, with what has occurred, then we can't have an honest dialogue. And we're never going to have an honest dialogue until we get to a point as a people, as a people, uh, one people, uh, until we get to that point, and, and we're, we're gonna continue to chase our tails on this issue. But I believe that the church has a role to play in, in initiating this ongoing dialogue. And what has to happen is that much like uh, in South Africa with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, they set up a framework. They set up the ground rules before they began. And uh, we knew that, that, that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was not gonna be interminable. There was going to be an end date. Uh, they were moving toward a goal and they set out what the goals would be. Uh, for an honest conversation, we have to do the same thing. It cannot be a perpetual conversation that never ends. At some right. point, we have to come to terms with it, uh, reach a, ne a negotiated agreement, and then put it to rest. Father, in South Africa, I don't see why it can't work here. Father, Thank you, Bob. Question, Father yes, question, who is the oppressed? And, and who, who, who is the oppressed? Who are you talking about? Well, well, you know, we have a 450-year uh, history in this country, uh, and, and that's one of those questions that, that certainly uh, need to be part of the discussion. Who are we talking about? Is it just, uh, is it just indigenous? Uh, not, there's no such thing, really. It, 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 I was going to say indigenous African-Americans, but we, we, we came here on a boat, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like many immigrants do. Uh, so uh, the difference for us is that it was involuntary in many cases. Uh, 
right. but does it include does it include uh, indigenous peoples, the Native Americans? Does it you know who does it include? We have to yeah, have that's that. That's what I want to know though. Who's the oppressed? The the uh, oppressed would be would be would be black people who were enslaved and brought. The descendants so, of slaves. Um, so so um, black people. Um, you're talking of Africans or uh, African Americans or just Africans. So I understand your point, Janine. Let me just quickly say that I think when you set up ground rules, those are the discussions that need to occur. So we're all uh, comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Thank you. Thank you so much, Father. I, I really okay. appreciate you yeah, giving uh, yeah. a really thoughtful answer. Um, we, we are going to close here, but uh, we will keep the conversation going. And um, I really- Yeah, I'm sorry. I just didn't get the first part of it. So that's why I asked that question. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. You're good. You're all good. And, uh, and it's, again, right. it's, great, it's great to have another perspective. So Janice, yeah. I'm going to let you say the last word, and then I'm going to close okay. this with a third. This, this is more in the terms of announcement. Uh, going along with something Elder Robert said about getting involved, Alex will know this is something dear to my heart. There's a city election, March 16th. The turnout is usually abysmal. If you're registered as a city in the city, vote. That's my- You can yourself and then vote. So where do you find the information on the candidates? The reason I don't vote in local elections is I'm clueless as to how to become an educated voter. Okay, there's the, Gain the Gainesville Sun, the League of Women Voters. Um, I don't get the Gainesville Sun. I'm, you know, I'm a millennial. I get my information from <laughs> That's the problem. So, not, you know, not getting a local newspaper, but that's another discussion. Um, I'd go to the League of Women Voters website. Uh, would be one thing. Um, Bob, would you would you have another idea of another source of well, information? I, I will tell you that if you want just basic facts about the candidates, um, uh, the supervisor, the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections, uh, has information about every uh, uh, registered candidate in any election, and yes. that's a good place to start right there. It is, and most of the candidates will have their own websites too. So there you go. So. Yeah. And, and the Gainesville Sun is online, so I just want to defend the sun. I don't usually do that, but the Gainesville Sun, you can access online. So, well, thanks everybody for being on tonight. I'm going to close us with a prayer. And I think appropriately, because, you know, uh, kind of coming from our own Anglican tradition, uh, I'm going to read the, the collecting prayer for social justice. So uh, join me as we, as we pray this. And again, um, Bob, thank you so much for your willingness to extend yourself and to bring this. I, I think you can tell the, the blessing you've been to us tonight. So, so let's, let's pray. Thank you so much. Almighty God, you created us in your own image. Grant us grace to contend fearlessly against evil and to make no peace with oppression and help us to use our freedom rightly in the establishment of justice in our communities and among the nations, for the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 God, God bless all of you, and have a great night. Again, Bob, nice. thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I will have a recording if anybody wants to get a copy of it. I can pass it. I would love to. Thank you. Night.